Welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Glad you could join me. With luck, you're driving somewhere exciting, fun, relaxing, or otherwise interesting. Pulling or driving your RV, going to see friends and family or some beautiful places. If not, maybe you're planning on something, and if you are, then you're in luck. Senior writer at RVTravel.com, Mike Gast, joins me. We're going to talk about all those frustrations from online reservations. Who's taking them, how they're doing it, and how we might be able to hack our way into a campsite ourselves anyway. Yes, hopefully we can triumph over the evils of technology in one way or another. So, that's the main topic brought to you by Clear 2O Water Management, TeardropShop.com, and CampgroundViews.com. But we got a lot more as well, from recalls to work for you if you're looking for that kind of thing. And some news from the industry. But first, what you're up to these days. Out here, we left early. We were on a beautiful trout stream I love to visit. One of the main reasons I moved here to Central Oregon, but the heat was tolerable. The wildfire smoke was not. Maybe you've been there. And hate to say it, but it's gotten worse ever since. All right, everybody out there on the front lines at the fires, please uh, be safe and work faster. Larry Brown is busy. Speaking of work, he's already planning ahead. Larry says he's a woodworker and makes a lot of stuff for his RVs. He's looking for ideas for this winter. Well, Larry, I don't, I'm, I'm just a music major, so I can't suggest anything there. But if anybody does have any suggestions, he's asking that question at the RVTravel.com website called RV Advice. And Lana Brower, I can help you. She's heading to California and the San Simeon Creek, Hearst San Simeon Campground. We spent a few days there last fall, last fall, last spring, somewhere in there. Anyway, we were there. It was a wonderful place, beautiful. Tough to get a reservation, so congratulations on that. Only cell services way at the top, the campsites that are way at the top of the hill. The rest of the time, not so good, Lana. There is a Wi-Fi hotspot somewhere near the amphitheater. We never found it, but maybe you can find a ranger who could guide you to it. And while you're there, Lana, don't forget to take that long hike from the campground south over the creek and into the beach. That part of the coast right there, that piece of beach, uh, seldom has many people on it, and it is as beautiful as anything you'll see. Good luck on that. Travel safe. Yeah, bringing it back due to popular demand. You know, the RVTravel.com website has a survey question quite frequently. Some are for fun, some are for other things as well, and this one hits home for everybody. Editor Emily Woodbury asks, Have you ever moved from your campsite because of a bad neighbor? I think you'll be surprised at the answer. I'll have that towards the end of the podcast, as well as some of your comments. Here's some good news for anybody looking for something to do while they're on the road. You've heard of the Escapees RV Club. Well, the RVer Job Exchange was created by Escapees. So if you're looking for something to do to, you know, put a little jingle in your pocket, keep yourself occupied, maybe 
do something interesting. They've got it all right there. RVERjobexchange.com. RVERjobexchange.com. The RVTravel.com podcast is brought to you in part by Clear 2O RV and marine inline water filters, and especially their hard working dirt guard. It's a sediment filter. It's the big fat one you put on right off the tap when you're hooking up to city water, wherever you are. That strains out all the bigger chunks so that your clear to O inline filter can do the dirty work on that little tiny stuff down to one micron. That's the stuff that makes your water smell funny and taste even funnier. And I don't mean funny, nice laugh kind of thing. You know what I mean. Learn more about all of their products and the free shipping offer on $100 or more of filters and accessories. Check out the five-star reviews. It's all at clear2o.com. Always good to check in with some of the honchos at rvtravel.com. Our parents, well, not literally, but our colleagues, our sister organization, senior writer Mike Gast joins me to talk about, well, a few, uh, I'll just call them aggravating technological challenges. Mike, welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. Thanks for having me back, Scott. And just to rub it in, I'm going to say aloha. <laughs> because yes yes i did escape to hawaii about a year and a half ago and and just to give it a try for a while we'll, we'll be back in the mainland here shortly and uh and i'm sure we'll be back out RVing. but but uh, for right now hawaii's not a bad place to hide no it isn't although um i mentioned earlier today um the wildfire smoke out here you guys have had your share of fires as well haven't you we had the biggest, I, I live in the Big Island. We had our biggest fire in the history of Hawaii was on the Big Island last month. And uh, just a, a regular prairie grass fire that that got whipped up by the winds and uh, it scorched several hundred acres, several thousand acres actually. And it, uh, it was a big one. And so it reminded me I, I, that I didn't, uh, you can run away from the fires in Montana, but you can't go far enough. No, you can't. In fact, I was driving out to the shooting range this morning and I was uh, in the other direction on the highway where at least a dozen or maybe more of, we used to call them crummies. Now they call them hot shot trucks, you know, with all the firefighters, they're going back down to California to work on that one again. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about you and Hawaii and how you don't have the, the wild firefighting infrastructure that we have out here. They actually have quite a bit. Oh, uh, good. There's a, there's a very large cattle ranch. The Parker Ranch is actually the largest active ranch in the United States. It's on the north end of the Big Island. And that looks just like uh, the prairies of Wyoming up there. Very much. Very dry. Yeah. In fact, I've um, I've been invited to hunt on the Parker Ranch. Mm-hmm. Again, never have, but sure wouldn't mind taking a rain check on that. It's big. Speaking of rain checks and disappointment when we are trying to get stuff, that's the topic for today. Um, I just can't help but think that Phantom Reservations is just too good a title not to use. 
And so um, we're going to talk about how that affects us a little bit in the RV world and, and what it is. And, and maybe, the, maybe you'll answer the question of why we can't get the places we want when we're there. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about the term and what, what is really happening? Well, it's something that's been happening for a long, long time. Phantom reservations really aren't, aren't brand new. They've, uh, it's really the practice of a camper going online typically and making several reservations where they can at typically public parks. Uh, and we'll get into that a little bit later how, why that is, but they typically make those at, at public parks and they'll make three, four reservations uh, in different spots covering their bases on the same day. And then they just don't cancel. They just don't show up. And that's why campers are seeing more and more empty sites when they pull in at four or five, six, seven o'clock at night. Uh, they may have a reservation. They may not have a reservation. They may be looking for a reservation and they see all these empty sites and the host or the park manager says, I'm sorry, that site's reserved, even though nobody shows up that night. Uh, so again, this has been going on a long time. The influx of new campers is really exacerbating the problem. It's become a, a much bigger deal. And I did speak with the, uh, one of the officials at recreation.gov, which is the official booking site for many of the public uh, national parks and state park facilities around the country. And uh, they acknowledge that it, it certainly is an issue. And the reason that, that the public facilities are, are primary targets is that the rates are, are less. Sure. You can, you can go down to uh, Big Bend, uh, National Park in Texas and, and find a camp spot in a, in a water, uh, water electric site for 16 bucks a night. And that's, and, uh, and that's before the senior pass or anything else, I'll bet. You bet. And there, there, there may be some fees, uh, some reservation fees and other things involved there. But, but typically, if you just took that generally and said, well, you know, even if, even if I take the $10 or $20 no-show fee, I'm talking $36 uh, of a hit. But I know I have a site here, and I've got a site over here, and I've got a site over here. And some of these, some campers now are saying that they're willing to take uh, a thirty-six dollar penalty in order to be able to show up at the site that they want the day that they want it. So they're they're keeping all of their options open, but by overbooking on on these various campgrounds and then not showing up, they're really cheating other campers out of the opportunity to camp. You know, um, my favorite restaurant will still take my reservation, but they won't take reservations from a lot of people for the very same reason. People are, mm -hmm. they're hedging their bets and then basically screwing everybody else. Um, yeah. And uh, so absolutely, this is, this is one that uh, uh, the phantoms are your fellow campers out there. They're the ones that are, are making the reservations and in a very selfish way, just not bothering to cancel. And uh, in the case of reservation.gov, if you canceled 24 hours in advance, they would charge you a $10 cancellation fee. If you don't show up, they charge you $20. So there's a $10 difference in there that, that people are willing to eat in order to, in order to wait until the last minute to make their decisions. You know, the, the, uh, in reservations, reservations.gov has its strengths and it has its faults. But you you that's recre, recreation recreation I'm sorry yeah I got it on my mind now um, they have uh, 
you'd think they'd have somebody back there um, who knows code and who knows how to type, who could figure out a way to stop people from reserving sites in different locations on the same day. Well, the officials there were very quick to point out to me that they're not the ones that set the rates nor the policies. Yeah. So yeah. those are being set by those government government officials out there that are running those those facilities and and the park concessionaires that may have the contracts to run those those campgrounds. Yeah, that, so that, that, they're they're kind of wiping their hands of the problem at, at recreation.gov and saying that they just provide the booking engine for this and and take their fee. I get it, and, and that, and, I, and yes, I I even understand that. So it, you know, the the onus is on, like you said, the concessionaires that are running so many of those campgrounds, or the agency that owns that real estate, if you will. Um, and maybe that's where the pressure needs to be brought to bear at some point down the down the road. But for right now, instead of fighting big government, how are we going to get around this? What are, what kind of advice do you have for us if we are still trying really hard and playing by the rules and uh, and doing things the right way? What can you do to help us? Some of this is just applying gentle pressure, not not. Uh not the screaming variety, but <laughs> just making sure that, that the folks at the, that are running these parks, the government entities that can actually make the policies, understand what the problem really is. And it's, it's very hard to get their attention because they just see uh, the site being booked and the site being paid for. Uh, you know, the, the, the official I talked to at recreation.gov wasn't even sure if she could access a no-show report. It, Wow. She wasn't even sure that was that exi existed. So nobody's really tracking how many of these folks aren't showing up in a, in a really close manner to know what the extent of this problem is. And as far as the government officials concerned, they got their money. You know, the, yeah. the site was the site was rented. They got to keep it, and they actually got to charge the uh, the no show an extra ten dollars. So so yeah. they got their fee, and uh, the loser is the camper that would have re-rented that site. You know, the years ago, uh, okay, I used to work in the rodeo business. No, I, no, I, I only broke a couple bones, and that was enough for me. But the Pro Rodeo Cowboys Association was formed by cowboys. It was basically a union to advocate for rodeo athletes against the rodeo promoters, basically. Maybe we need a campground users union to organize and work with, work toward some kind of user guidelines for those agencies. Is there, there's nobody, there's nobody looking out for us, is there? No, no. And it's uh, the only advice that I could, I could give people that are running into these phantom reservations, these parks that, that are, you know, look like they have spots open is uh, don't, again, this is being driven by the popularity of camping this summer. That's why the problem is so huge right now. And all you can do is try to look for spots that are under less pressure. There's yeah. a lot of state and national parks and and, uh, and facilities out there that they aren't Yosemite. They aren't in Yosemite. They're not in Yellowstone. That's where everybody that bought an RV this year dreams of going. So that's what they're trying to do. That's where they're trying to go. And so if you could work around the edges a little bit farther, uh, give some other spots a try. I know that uh, I was talking to some folks that said that uh, in, on the East Coast in the Great Smokies, you couldn't get a couldn't get a spot in the park last weekend. But they found plenty of campgrounds 
around those outer rings that were available. And I've advocated for that as well in, in, in other podcasts and in some of my writing. It would be wonderful if somebody would put a, uh, I don't know what to call it, a, a database, a list of some sort that says, okay, if you want to go to Yellowstone, camp in Gardner, Montana instead, or go to Coyote, uh, Cody, Wyoming instead. Um, that those secondary, that second tier or those that outer ring, like, like you said, would be fascinating if we could just find those places. I guess if we just look on a map, we can do that. Is that? Now, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that uh, Mark Cope from Campground Views has a new service. And of course, there's a fee for this, but he has worked with recreation.gov to, I think the last I saw, he's got 450 recreation.gov campgrounds uh, on the on the campground view site now, where you can go and do a, a virtual tour. I mean, it actually drives you down the roads of the campground. And with your computer mouse, you can swing the camera left and right and actually see the individual sites. And there'll be a shield on the site that's either red or green. And if the site is, if the, if the shield is green, you can click on the shield and that means the site's available and you can go right on to reservation.gov and book the site from there. Hey, Mark, now I don't have to do your commercial later in the podcast, do I? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike. That's Mike Gast with rvtravel.com. I'm Scott Linden with the rvtravel.com podcast. And yeah, one, all one big happy family here. And, and uh, we're talking phantom reservations. We're also going to talk about yet another technological frustration later on. But for the moment, Mike, I'm going to give you a chance to take a breath or two while I pay a couple bills. You hang on. I'll be back at you in just a moment. The rest of you, if you are driving down the road and you're wondering who actually built that rig that's in front of you, you can see the name, but you don't know who really did it. Yeah, you know what I mean, because it may be built by somebody you've never heard of or just the opposite. Go to rvtravel.com slash who makes what and get the free downloadable ebook that is a list of all the manufacturers and what brands they make. rvtravel.com slash who makes what. And then once you do that, go over to teardropshop.com. Of course, our friends at Little Guy are affiliated with them. No matter what kind of teardrop trailer you're pulling, Little Guy, Tab, R-Pod, or anything else, these folks have a wide range of gear and accessories for your trailer. There's a military discount. They've got everything from appliances to tents and shelters, visors, and uh, overhangs. Uh, what do they call those? Uh, anyway, um, awnings, uh, camping gear of all sorts, solar power, electronics, 10% off, all you got to do for that discount is sign up for the newsletter. You'll get a code and you can use that on your next purchase. All sorts of teardrop trailer parts and accessories at teardropshop.com. Okay, in the business, we'd call that a vamp, and that would mean it's time for Mike to dance back onto the stage. Mike Gast with RVTravel.com. Welcome back to the RV Travel Podcast. Thanks, guys. And by the way, I like that shuffle step on the way in. Looks good. <laughs> uh, um, you know, we talked 
technology and we're going to go back to it. And, you know, sometimes my eyes glaze over when we talk about this stuff. But when it hits close to home, all of a sudden I'm paying attention again. And this is the one that's been bugging me a lot lately. We've seen it in other industries, whether it's the um, the athletic event ticket industry or the rock concert ticket industry. But now bots are taking over the campsite reservation world as well. Would you just explain what a bot is a bot is a is a little string of computer code that gets added into uh, everything's kind of a if if then then that then that sort of an effect when you write computer code you you say if you see this then do this and that's how a computer code is built out well in a bot everything happens in a nanosecond just you know it's faster than you can blink uh, these fellows out in, in started out in Silicon Valley, California. Uh, they were programmers. They were frustrated because they didn't have time to sit and wait for the, the California state parks to open up their site for reservations in the morning. So they built a bot and they timed the bot so that when the national park, the state parks opened up their reservation site, their bot would just go crazy hitting that site over and over and over again, thousands of times per second until it scored a reservation and it would book the site. And so that was great for the original programmers. What happened was they started to sell the code to other people and for other purposes. And so all of a sudden, everything was gone within, as, as campers are finding out, everything's gone within two or three seconds sometimes for when they open up uh, another week on, on a California's state parks, for instance, it lasts just a few seconds and all the reservations are gone. And those wow. are all driven by bots because you can't call, you can't dial your phone fast enough in order to get in. And anybody that's ever tried to make those reservations, especially on those government sites, knows that it's it's just a callback, 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 you know, and you just have to try to break in and get the timing right. And usually by the time you get in, it's all gone. And so the inventory has been scooped up by these bots and there's just no competing with them. They, they overwhelm a system. And uh, just like any other technology, government oversight hasn't really kept, kept up with technology. And so state governments and, and certainly the national government have been very slow and methodical about trying to close the doors and fence and uh, outlaw the use of these bots, both in the US and Canada. Uh, every time they think they have it fixed, uh, there's another way around it. Uh, and so it's been a very, very much a cat and mouse game trying to keep up with this. And you're right, it's not just campsites. It's event tickets, it's Broadway shows. Uh, they're used anytime there's a line of people wait, waiting to get into something, waiting to purchase a ticket for something. There are the bots and they, they scoop up these huge piles of tickets and then some of them go into the resale market. We're seeing that in campground business where uh, they had to pass a law in, in uh, several provinces in Canada that outlawed the practice of reselling campsites because that's what was happening. They were scooping up the available inventory at public parks and then reselling them uh, for a profit. In so it's it's very hard to get ahead of a bot. It's incredible, and, and which, by the way, would make a great title for a book. But um, uh, so here we have it. It is a reality, and there's very little we can do about it except work within the knowledge that we have. Um, I'm, I'm curious. So I've never seen an ad on, on any online platform that says, Hey, all those reservations you can't get, we've got them. 
buy it here? I mean, are there services now that are reselling that or, or is this kind of a under the table activity? Well, they were very out in the open to start with, but they have been driven under the table over time. And uh, especially in the in the event ticket world, they uh, they probably done a they're much more high profile. They were attacking Broadway, for instance, and so they got uh, a lot more attention from the state and national governments in in those industries, and they were able to firewall those off and outlaw those those resale practices. But uh, it's it's no different than uh, than sports tickets. You know where where does where does uh, StubHub's inventory come from? Uh, well, you hope they're coming from individual ticket sellers, but uh, they had to put different practices and procedures in place to ensure that was the case and that they weren't coming in huge blocks from these folks that were buying up blocks of tickets through bots so, and, um, uh, and buying them up. So we're up against the bots, um, which are not as bad as cyborgs or, uh, or uh, aliens, but there's still a problem for us when we're trying to get a campsite. What are we going to do about this? You, you know, you have any suggestions well, for us? Absolutely. The, the best thing that I've, that I've discovered and been pointed to is to go old school. The one thing that the, the bots can't do is get on a waiting list. They, they can't call the campground and say, Hey, do you have anything for next week or this weekend? Uh, so the best advice is to, narrow it down to the campgrounds that you're interested in staying with the dates and then you call the campgrounds you've got variables you've got the ability to say well if you don't have anything on friday how about monday and if that's if that's you've got that sort of a, a variable in place the campground can look back and say yep i just had a cancellation so what the bots don't catch up with are the cancellations that come in uh from the original from the original reservations so if you can get in line with a campground specific and say put me on your waiting list i want to come you know the labor day weekend and they say sure you, i've got 15 people on my waiting list if i get that many cancellations i'll call you back and that's one way around the bots is to get on waiting lists and uh, call the campgrounds directly and ask them uh what the situation is because you never know. They may have uh, they may have held back inventory for just that purpose. They may have had a group cancel. Uh, your timing might be good, but that's about the best you can do is go old school on the bots. Or how about going new school? Can we fight fire with fire? Is there service out there that we could actually use? Uh, I, I suppose you could, you could go out and buy the code and, and set up your own. And, and there's several individuals that do this for their own purposes, too, yeah, just, just for that purpose to have their own uh, rapid dialer, basically, in order to try to break in and, and uh, legitimately get sites. But uh, there's no service that I know of. I, I might be wrong. So if anybody, anybody knows of one, go ahead and say so. But uh, I'm sure that there's somebody out there uh, above board below that's selling, selling a subscription that will take care of that for you. Well, it's kind of frustrating, but yeah, you know, the, the, the things that keep coming up are the things that, uh, that come up uh, for all of these similar problems. And I don't care how a campground gets fully booked. Once it's booked, then we're SOL. So we got to look to the alternatives, and, and they are, in a nutshell. Check me on this and offer, offer more to me, Mike, because you're, you were with KOA for so long, you probably had mm -hmm. to recite all this stuff in your, in your initiation. Um, shoulder seasons, non-weekends, fringe areas, geographic areas. Anything else on that list that we should you know, put well, on our list? 
we're feeling all this just because the pressure is so high in the last you know, 14 months. Every, mm. every since uh, last spring and the, and the campgrounds were able to open up again in this huge flood of new campers, people that were wanting to get outside any way they could. That's why the huge amount of new RV sales, uh, the, the pressure on the parks was intense for the last 14. So yes, it's been very, very difficult. And the patterns of people have changed. The, the ability to work from home, work from anywhere, has freed up people from having to come out and come to the campground on Friday and leave Sunday night. They don't leave on Sunday night so much anymore. More and more are staying through Monday or Tuesday. So we've got a lot of folks that are full-timers that used to be able to check into a campground on Sunday who are saying, the darn thing's still full on Sunday night. I can't get in until Tuesday. So camping patterns have actually been changed for, for uh, extended stay weekenders now. They're not in such a big hurry to leave anymore. So you've got to have you've got to have a lot of, uh, of flexibility if you're going to be a camper now. You, uh, if, if you can camp midweek, that's still your best bet. Uh, weekends are always going to fill up first. I know that every, every campground owner I know of says book early, book early, book early. And I think we're going to see uh, uh, extension in the booking windows. Mm-hmm. Most, camp, most campgrounds uh, used to wait until the end of the season and then worry about what next year's window was going to be when they, when they were going to open up for reservations and how far out they were going to accept those. And uh, it became kind of standard to have a, a one-year booking window in a, on kind of a sliding basis. But I think we're going to see that grow. I think, I think the demand is going to be such where people are going to say, well, I want to I book for the next three Fourth uh, of Julys. How do I do that? And we're going to see tri- people filling up even earlier. So you've always got to ask, how far out can I go? Uh, and make your plans as fast as you can. Now, that, that's not good news for people that like to ramble around the country and that's how they like to RV and they like to show up at four. They like to leave the campground at 10 o'clock in the morning and not know where they're going to be at four o'clock that afternoon. That's going to be tough. And it's certainly going to be tough for a while. I think it's going to settle down again after, uh, after this huge influx of, of interest. Now, whether we see a, a plethora of, of used RVs out there yet to be seen, but uh, not everybody will stay with this lifestyle. It won't be for everybody once they give it a, a good college try. But uh, for the foreseeable future, it's just going to be hard to find a campground the old-fashioned way. I got a thought or two, and I want your opinion. You're the expert on this. But hang on a second. I got to get this out of here, open up that thing, and put this down here, and then open the case. The crystal ball is on my desk next to the microphone now. And... um, I want to make a couple of predictions with your help and vice versa. Um, we, we are, you and I are familiar with the term dynamic pricing when it comes mm-hmm. to campsites and, and all sorts of other things from airplane tickets to hotel rooms for that matter. Absolutely. Um, it, and um, just explain in 25 words or less what dynamic pricing is in our world. And then I want to jump right beyond that to something related. Well, I think at, at its, at its most basic, it's it's demand-driven pricing. So when the inventory is low, demand goes up. It's 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 just that simple. It's it's no different than you see on Amazon. Uh, when you go in to buy something, you're going to see 
a lot of varied prices depending on what the inventory is on hand, what time of day you're doing it, how many other people have, have requested that. So uh, it's it's come into the camping industry too in a in a big way, and it's, you're going to see a lot more of that. I know Leisure Systems is using it on their on their reservation systems now, so, uh, so that depending on how far out you've made the reservation, how uh, what type of site you want. What they what they know about you? If are you a regular customer? Are you a first timer? Are you traveling with pets? Uh, do you have kids? What type of equipment do you have? All those factors get put into setting a dynamic rate, uh, and it's really what what the automated system thinks you can tolerate spending. Capitalism at its purest. Absolutely, mate. Right? If you if you sit on an airplane and all of a sudden stood up and, and announced what you had paid for a ticket, everybody within 50 feet of you is going to have a different price. Yep. Okay, so take that and flip it 180 degrees. What about charging more for somebody to somebody who, who, who will make a reservation 18 months ahead of time? Charging a premium for the privilege of doing that. You think there's any future in that? Well, I, I haven't heard that. I, I, we, there's there's already procedures in place. I don't know if KOA has it, and so does uh, most of the other camping companies out there that groups have a, a way to lock in your specific site, uh, and they'll they'll upcharge for that. If you want uh, that specific site by the by the bay or by the water or by the dock or by the swimming pool, you can do that. But it's, it might it might cost you ten to twenty five dollars extra to lock in that site so mm -hmm. that you cannot be moved. Uh, I could see that uh, in the scenario that, that you said, you know, that, oh, if you want, if you want to book early, uh, we're going to open the door a little bit sooner for you or give you first dibs at it. Uh, I think in the past, capital companies, KOA included, tried that scenario with, uh, with their value card, mm. with their value card VIPs, where they would give them a few days notice, uh, on the, on the reservation system uh, that it was up and running, uh, but it was very informal. It was not something that was locked down. So I, I don't know for certain if anybody's doing what you described, but, but uh, again, if, if there's a way to, to uh, increase revenues, I think that, and it's, it's, there's a benefit to both parties there. Now, is it, is it something that consumers are willing to spend uh, in order to have the privilege of, booking early to get the site they want. Uh, well, if, if there's a win-win there, sure, I, I, I think that, that certainly could happen. Well, we will see. We've already seen other people working on trying to kind of link up campgrounds with reservations with subscribers who are looking for reservations. So uh, who knows what's going to happen out there? It's the Wild West, that's for sure. And but that I, Again, I, I would certainly suggest that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an old schooler, and I like the fact that... Uh, that campground owners, oftentimes, you know, the person that answers the phone is the guy that owns the place. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's not a bad thing at all to strike up that conversation and say, hey, is there any way you can fit me in for, you know, three weeks from now on, on Tuesday to Thursday? And they'll do their darndest. I mean, these, these people run these places uh, absolutely as a family business, and they want to have happy people and happy customers. And if there's any way to do it, they'll do it. But there, it's a lot tougher to say no when you've got somebody standing in front of you or on the phone than it is an email or an automated reservation request. 
Well, there you have it. This guy knows of what he speaks. Mike Gast is a senior writer at RVTravel.com. This is the RVTravel.com podcast, and we got a lot more coming, but I'm going to turn you loose right now, Mike, before we cover some of the news. There's a recall out there you need to hear about. We're going to have the answers to our survey and some of your comments on that. So, Mike, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Always a pleasure, Scott. Mahalo and aloha. Thanks. And the rest of you, heed this message from our friends at campgroundviews.com. That's right. They are here and they are part of the podcast now. And, and I'm so proud. That's the slip right there. So proud to have them with us. They have a, an original idea out there. And as Mike described it in the podcast itself, you can almost virtually drive through many many campgrounds and they're working on more every day hundreds and hundreds are in the can and almost ready to go on the site campgroundviews.com drive through take a look at the sites decide which one you like whether it's for the view because it's easy to pull into whatever it is you can inspect them all there are over 3,000 first person videos 24,000 photos thousands of reviews it's all at campgroundviews.com all right let's get to some news and other views yours included first off newmar corporation is recalling a number of 2019 to 2021 motorhomes yeah this you don't want this to happen the adhesive that bonds the vented portion of the window may fail yeah the window may come out that could be awkward, to say the least. If you have any doubts about whether yours is involved in the recall, because there are over 2,000 rigs involved, check with your dealer or check with Newmar Corporation. Other news? Well, let's talk about uh, the whole industry. In the Baird RV Dealer Survey, conducted in partnership with the RV Dealers Association, they're not quite as bullish as they were during the last survey. They're positive on both the current conditions. In other words, are we going to sell a whole bunch of stuff? Yeah, 65% of them are. And what about three to five years down the road? 54% are pretty optimistic about that. Compare that, though, the previous survey... The three to five year outlook uh, was up 77% versus the 54 and 59% versus the 65. So, you know, it's kind of weird. But what do they know that we don't? I wish I could tell you. Okay, so I promised you the answers to our survey and also some of your comments on it. The question again was, have you ever moved from your campsite because of a bad neighbor? Man, have we all got something to share on that one, I bet. Well, Paul Mooter says they were on their way to town for dinner when the neighbors started fighting, literally. <laughs> but it wasn't just a normal cup couple having a marital spat. These were um, eh, methamphetamine users yelling at the top of their lungs. Well, ultimately, the police department took care of that one. Marion Runcie says on the first uh, stop in a British Columbia Forest Service site. They heard gunshots at the other end of the row of their campground was 
bikers pit bulls without leashes and several guys shooting at empty beer cans in their campsite. Oh boy, you can't make up this stuff, can you? And then David A says one group comes into the site behind us. They have loud kids, louder parents. They're cussing. Everybody's well, generally being a pain. So what did David do? Set up a Bible study lesson with the kids and then invited the loud kids in. Well, that went on for a couple hours. And by the time that was done, the loud family was up and out of there for good. You know, that's a good one to remember, David. Sometimes it's smarter to um, fight fire with water. Good job on that. Oh, and let's not forget the actual results of the survey. 35% of you, a third of you, have had the energy and the willingness to move away from a bad neighbor. The rest of us, 65% of us, we just suffer in silence. And speaking of good job, thank you all for being such kind listeners. Love your comments. You can leave one, send me an email through the rvtravel.com podcast page. Glad to help in any way I can. Thank you, Mike Gast, for joining us and enlightening us a little bit in our ongoing battle against technology and the people who abuse it. Do me a big favor, tell one friend about the RV Travel Podcast. Okay, do me another favor too. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. I'd sure appreciate that. And in exchange for that, I'll leave you with this. You might be an RVer if going out for drinks means sitting under the awning with a nice, cold, crisp, frosty beer. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Thanks so much for listening. See you down the road.